The Mishnah continues its discussion about food and drink preparations on Shabbos. And just like the previous Mishnah, we're discussing specifically the Malacha of Beirer, of separating things out. And a few leniencies are given now. One is allowed to pour water onto wine dregs. That refers to the hardened bits at the bottom of a barrel or the bottom of a bottle of wine. So that the wine dregs become clear of the wine. When water is added, the water is mixed with the wine, and then it becomes separated from the hard dregs, and you're left with a sort of diluted wine. And although you are really separating the wine from the wine dregs, this is permitted because that really happens automatically, but you're not actually doing that. All you do is you're adding wine, you're adding water to wine, really. As a result of that, by itself, the wine will then separate from the dregs. But since you are not actually doing the action of separating, it is permitted. Furthermore, one is allowed to strain or filter wine with cloths, so you can pour wine through a cloth. And we're referring specifically to wine which is already fit to be drunk. And the person who's doing this, he would drink it as it is even if it wasn't filtered. He's filtering it because he wants it to be extra clean, let's say. Extra pure wine. But since it's anyway fit to be drunk now, this is not really considered to be a significant act of beirer, of separating... And therefore, it is permitted on Shabbos. Or you could use a basket made out of palm branches or palm leaves. Again, you would filter the wine with this. And really, in these two cases where you're using a basket or a cloth, that's not considered a regular way of separating. And that is why it's permitted. All right, next permitted case of Beirer. One is allowed to put an egg in a strainer of mustard. Once mustard has been strained, and that's forbidden on Shabbos, that's considered a regular way of separating. But once the mustard has been separated and strained, and it's now below the strainer, one is allowed to put an egg in that strainer, so that the egg yolk will go below the strainer, whilst the white of the egg will remain above the strainer. Often they would do that to give the mustard a bit of colour. And the reason why this is permitted is because really the entire egg is fit to be eaten. Beer is only forbidden if you're separating something bad from the good. However, here the entire egg is good. Both the yolk and the white of the egg are considered ready edible food, and therefore this does not come under the prohibition of beer. One is allowed to make a noemlin on Shabbos, that refers to a special drink made out of wine and honey and pepper, quite a common drink which they would have in those days, but it would need to be mixed very well and it was quite a lot of work to do. And as we saw a couple of prokem ago, things which require a lot of effort and work are forbidden midrabonon on Shabbos, that's known as uvdin dechol, weekday activities which require a lot of burden, a lot of work, and nevertheless the Mishnah says that you are allowed to do this on Shabbos because it's not so much work. On the other hand, Rabbi Huda says that although you're allowed to do it, you can't do so much. And therefore, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, by Shabbos, on Shabbos, because you can only make one cup worth of this. So it's not so hard to mix one cup. However, beyond Tov, on Yom Tov, where the Rabbonin were more lenient with regards to the laws of Uvnid Dachol, Belogin, one is allowed to make a whole container, a whole bottle of this Enoimlin drink. Although many of the halachas of Shabbos and Yom Tov apply on Cholamoed, it is certainly more lenient than Shabbos and Yom Tov, and therefore Bechovis you are allowed to make an entire barrel worth of this Einoimlin, but no more. And now we have a third opinion, Rabbi Tzodik, Omer Rabbi Tzodik says, It all depends on the guests. If one is having a lot of guests and he needs to have a lot of this drink, then he is allowed to prepare for that much. But whereas the Tanakama held that one can make as much as he likes, 
Rabbi Tzodik says he can only make as much as he really needs, depending on the amount of guests he is going to have on Shabbos or Yom Tov or Cholom Mishnah Gimel, in Shonis Achiltis Papatian, one is not allowed to soak Chiltis, which is a type of herb, some sort of plant often used for healing purposes, Papatian, in warm water, because this was the regular way of doing it, and it was considered to be a weekday activity, or some explain it was, it looked like you were preparing it for healing purposes, and it's forbidden to make medicine on Shabbos. However, the Mishnah does say, but he is allowed to put it into vinegar, because that was not the regular way of doing it, and also people would have that mixture of vinegar and chiltis even when they were not ill, so it does not give the appearance of medicine. The insurance are karshinin, one is not allowed to soak karshinin, which is a sort of animal food, which contained lots of dirt, or even parts of the plants which weren't really desired, and by soaking it, the parts which he didn't want would rise to the top, together with the water, and he could remove that and he would have cleaner karshinin. And that is considered rare and therefore it's forbidden. One is not allowed to rub them with his hands either, in order to separate the dirt and the bad parts of that plant, because again that would come under the category of the forbidden form of work called rare separating the bad from the good. However, one can put the karashinim into a sieve, or into a basket, even if it's a tool which is usually used for separating, if you're just using it as a container, and your intention is not to use it as a sieve, then you are allowed to put it into the sieve, and even if some of the dirt does end up being separated via that, since that is not your intention and it is not bound to happen, it is permitted. Ends off the mission. In Kovinus Atevin Bikvara, one is not allowed to sift straw in a sieve, because that is certainly considered rare. but more than that, one is not even allowed to put a basket of straw on a high place so that the chaff, which is the lighter part of the straw, and it's the part which one usually does not want, so that that is blown away and you're left just with the heavier grain which you actually want. That is forbidden because that is considered winnowing, using the wind to separate the chaff from the straw. However, says the Mishnah, but he is allowed to pick up some of the straw in a sieve, and then transport it in the sieve, and put it into the avus, which is the big container from which animals would eat. So even though as you're transporting it, some of it is being dropped through the holes in the sieve, and so you are really separating some of it, it's nevertheless permitted because this is considered a a side result of something which you are doing, which you're not intending for. So in this case, you're not, in t- you're not using the sieve because you want to separate the straw. You're just using it as a container to transport the straw. So even if, while you're doing that, you will end up separating some of it, and some of the bad part will go through the sieve and be dropped on the way, nevertheless it is permitted, at least according to the opinion of our Mishnah, that a dovish in a is permitted. Mishnah Dalit, go from an Ifnayapatam one, is allowed to rake out the straw from the container which the animal eats from, in front of a ox which is kept to be fattened, so it's going to be used for its meat, so it wants the owner would want it to eat a lot. So the mission is telling us that the one is allowed to remove all of the straw. Already here we're talking about the dirty parts of the straw. One can remove that from this container, so that there will only be clean straw in that container, without any dirt mixed in.
one is also allowed to move the clean straw to the side so that not the entire container is filled with the clean straw. The Pnei because of the excrement of the animal, if the entire container is filled with the clean straw, then the animal will end up putting excrement on the straw, thereby dirtying it and thereby making it non-fit for eating. Give Rebbe Deisa, this is the opinion of Rebbe Deisa, Vachom Eisrim, however the Chachomim forbid it. The reason being that if you're allowed to sweep a container of straw, you might come to sweep a container which is actually on the ground itself, and it is forbidden to sweep the ground on Shabbos, in case you come in to fill in the holes which are in the ground, and so out of fear that you might come to do that, the Chacham forbid it, even if you're doing it in a container which is not on the ground. Ends off the Mishnah, one is allowed to take food from but from in front of one animal, and put it in front of a different animal on Shabbos, and we're discussing specifically a case where the second animal will be willing to eat that food. There are certain animals, like a donkey, if you give, let's say, the food of an ox to a donkey, the donkey will not eat that food. So in that case, you would not be able to do this, because one is not allowed to move something for no use on Shabbos. That comes under the prohibition of muktza. So only if you think that the animal which you're moving the food to will actually eat the food, only then would it be permitted to move that. Mishnah Hey, since the previous Mishnah ended off talking about Mukta, the following Mishnah also talks about Mukta also to do with straw. Hakasha Gabiamita, straw which is on top of a bed, and straw, unless you have intention otherwise before Shabbos, straw is generally used for setting fire to things, for making a fire or to cook things, and that is a forbidden use on Shabbos, and therefore straw is considered a mukta item, and therefore, of course, you are not allowed to move it. And the truth is, this person could really sleep on the bed while the straw is still there. So he doesn't need to move it, so if he wants to move it, he certainly cannot move it in the regular way, because it is mukta. However, although although he's not allowed to move it with his hand, but he is allowed to move it with his body, this is known as tiltum in hatsad, indirect moving of mukta, and that is permitted because the rabbonon only forbade a regular way of moving the mukta item, so you could move the straw away with your body. If he had set aside the straw before Shabbos for the sake of animal food, so then it's no longer mukta, or if there was a pillow or a sheet on there before Shabbos came in, so that means already before Shabbos you showed that you're using this as a bed and that you want to lie down on there. So you've already shown that your intention is to move the straw away, and therefore it's not considered mukta at all, and manana biyodai, you are allowed to move it with your hand in the regular direct way. Says the Mishnah, A clothes presser owned by a homeowner, a private individual, and this was basically made up of two large wide boards placed one on top of the other, and they would put clothes in between them and then put the heavy board on top of it in order to press them and make them sort of the olden day ironing. So the Mishnah says, Materian, one is allowed to undo the top board from the bottom board. They weren't tied very tightly, so there's nothing wrong with untying it on Shabbos. Avalikovshin, but one is not allowed to actually put the heavy board on top of the lower board in order to actually start the process on Shabbos, because it would take a very long time for it to actually take effect. They would leave it for a while, so it comes out that you're really preparing for after Shabbos. And it's forbidden to do something on Shabbos as a preparation for after Shabbos. On the other hand, says the Mishnah Vishal Kovsin, 
a clothes presser owned by a professional washer, so they would have a more sophisticated machine, and on this one they would tie the top board to the lower board very tightly. And so the Mishnah says, Yigabo, you cannot touch it, and the way we're going to understand this is that the Mishnah is saying you cannot touch it to undo it. So you can't even undo the top board and take away your clothes, because since it was tied so tightly to untie it and undo it, that is considered a tolder of soiser, of demolishing. Now the parak ends off with a small leniency from Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, there is a case where you would be able to undo even a more professional clothes presser, and that is in my Mutram era of Shabbos. If it was partly undone already before Shabbos came in, then Matras Kula, you can finish off the undoing, the unscrewing, the shemtai, and then remove your clothes from the lower board. And the reason why this is permitted is because it is no longer considered similar to demolishing since the process had been started already and you didn't have to do much on Shabbos itself.